0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello, and welcome to the B side for episode 1639 of our national conversation about conversations about race, podcasting from Donald Trump's hell. I'm Anna Holmes, here with my co-discussant, Raquel Cepeda.
2: Hi, Raquel. What up, what up, what up? I like the way you said my name this time. Well, you just said Cepeda, oh, wait, I was wait, no wait, drama. Wait, you didn't like it last time? Oh, well, you wouldn't have said Cepeda? I was yeah. like, come on, Anna. Oh, but you didn't, you, but you told me you liked it when It was I said okay, that I said it
1: was okay. So but I lie. told you
2: roll face, no, I told you, you roll, no, I told you I roll emoji. Oh, oh, you did? You okay. don't listen to me, no, see? No,
1: I was in LA, what do you want me to do? I was like, distracted. <laughs> you don't listen. <laughs> I was distracted by the sun and the beach. Ugh. Also,
2: don't rub it in.
1: <laughs> making his first appearance on the About Race podcast, Lee Hill, managing editor for digital content at WNYC. Welcome. Hey, Ooh. I love how you
3: pronounce my name.
2: <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, okay. well, I like the way you said that. He goes, I like how you pronounce my name. <laughs> For a second, you have a I radio a, voice. Dude. I had to pause
1: and like make sure I didn't fuck that up too. <laughs> For one second,
2: I was like, did he? Did the guy I just spoke to split and somebody else just walking in the same? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yo, me. bro, bro, bro. Just that's you, me. Just be cool. Just be, you know. That's it's me. Chill. That's it's That's me. <laughs> I like your voice. Thank what's you. Your, what's your sign? Aries. Oh my god. What's your birthday? What's your birthday?
3: Um, April fourth.
2: I love Aries people. My son is in Aries. <laughs> no, I'm I,
1: sorry. I was, I was lost in thought. Anyway, on our last episode, we discussed the first presidential debate. And as always, we invited you to weigh in at showaboutrace at gmail.com. So here's our producer, A.C. Valdez, with some of what you all had to say about those issues and more. Hey,
0: everybody. Uh, hey, A.C., what's up? Hey, what up? Doing good. So we got an interesting voice memo this week from Brenda. Asking a question about something that was raised on another podcast. I'm going to play this for you all and uh, see what you all think.
4: Hello, show about race. My name is Brenda Gonzalez. I'm from the Tamarindo podcast, a big podcast listener. And I love listening to the show about race. I'm calling in about your recap of the presidential debate because I do listen to a ton of podcasts, I um, wanted to raise an issue that I heard Mariana Josa say on um, In the Thick. She thought that it might be a good idea for Hillary in an effort to sway young voters that are still not super turned on about voting for Hillary and are even starting to think about third party candidates like um, the Green Party that an issue that could perhaps sway them could be talking about the legalization of marijuana. What are your thoughts on that issue? Is that a strategy that Hillary can take? Or is it too big of a risk? Thank you. Bye.
2: Brenda. Shout out to Brenda Gonzalez and super big hug, love taps to Maria Hinojosa. So I think that if she did that, it would just sound like she was reaching, you know, and if like you're, she was pandering, like she was I mean? pandering, like she was it was it's too far reaching. And I feel like it would turn off the especially, I guess, the millennials or, or younger voters, they would, t- I think personally it would turn them off. it would be like, OK, come on, you're really trying really that hard. They would feel they were being marketed yeah. to. If They feel like they're being marketed to or they're okay. being condescended to. I feel like they would definitely go another way. What's this face? Aleppo. Aleppo moment, who's actually <laughs> Gary pro. Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson had an Aleppo moment.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> had an Aleppo
2: moment. I feel like, it, actually, his pro stance on, on legalizing weed is making it like kind of like... He's actually... I don't know what I want to say there. Blah, well, blah, 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 The no. joke
1: is that he can't think of anything or he doesn't know yeah. anything is he's too high all the time. That's right? what my mother
3: said.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has a great a case against the legalization, I, right? <laughs> well, or against pot smoking in general. Yeah. because yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know if you guys have noticed, but pot has become much more strong than it was when I was a youngin. And um, <laughs> no, it's crazy. Like, no, I, know. Like I have to avoid it. That's neither here nor there. I'm not a millennial, um, Lee. What do you think? <laughs> I
3: mean, I lived in Colorado for four years, and I, you know, are
1: you, st- are you still high? And, <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs>
3: just coming down. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like pandering, that's a point. Like, I don't know if she needed to do that. You know, there's the hot sauce in my bag thing, where people thought she was like, what hot 97 people or the Breakfast Club, right? I remember was,
2: yeah. the abuelita thing, uh, I don't yeah. remember which that. I found out like that. Actually, a Latina wrote that. Oh. Latina or Latino, I'm not going to say which, uh, wrote that joke. But that was so dumb. Like when she said, I'm like you're abuelita. And I was like, really? You no, know, I, I just thought it was pandering and it kind of turned me off. It made me at the time even less excited about her.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like if she were to come out in support of the legalization of marijuana, I mean, what is it? October 6th, October 7th. I would think it was pandering just because of the late date. I mean, why? Like, why now? Well, here's the other thing. The thing about the legalization of marijuana or, the, or attempts to get it legalized, I mean, I don't know that I have an issue with regards to whether it's legal or not. I don't actually care. Fine, make it legal. But a lot of the activists who I see agitating for the legalization of marijuana seem to be of the same milieu, which are young to old white dudes. There was actually a group of, of them protesting, quote unquote, in Brooklyn Heights on, I think, Henry Street of a couple of months ago, like a weekend day when they were just they just took over Henry Street and walked up with like a big banner and when yada, nobody yada, yada. walks up when down, no one was around no traffic. Right. And it's possible that they were walking to her headquarters because that's located in Brooklyn Heights as well. Right. But I remember thinking, oh, they had the luxury of trying to agitate for legalization of marijuana when there are a lot of people, particularly people of color who don't well, for whom that's not a priority because there are uh, right. more pressing I issues, that's what I would and say. so, so I think that that actually might come off badly for both reasons. Both because it would seem like it was pandering, but also because it's like really that's 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 one
2: of your that's one of the planks of your policy. Is is come on? Well, unless of course people she has an agenda or, or some kind of plan to make people of color benefit. You know, as economically, much economically, yes. as much as the people that are now right. kind these, of like these entrepreneurs, yeah. These which entrepreneurs is an issue, which yeah, is an issue, it's an issue in Colorado, issue.
3: especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. right. It is. A, I mean, it's an issue. There are people of color in Colorado who were saying that they did not see yeah, the way as, <laughs> right. as white people have. Yeah. With yeah. The, the booming dispensaries that are now on practically on every corner there. Right.
2: You know, Denver yeah. especially, And not only that, when I think of weed, I think and people of color, I think of her husband. And people, you know, going what? to jail. Oh, Say that oh, again. Oh, I think when I, think, when 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 I think Oh, I don't husband. think of. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going all over the place. I'm I a Gemini. It's like, like the first black president. It'll yeah. all make sense. Right. One day it'll all make sense. With the sense. saxophone. When I think about people of color and weed, I think about Hillary Clinton's husband, her man, mm-hmm. um, and how many people he put away mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. So. It's just a bad taste. I don't know. I think she should I think it'd be smart for her to leave it alone.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's smarter for her to leave it alone in the context of the next five weeks of this election. Yes. If she you know, I don't I don't right. know that she should leave it alone right once she's in office, God willing. I think I just prayed to God, <laughs> which is not something I normally do. Breaking news. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was in L.A., where I mispronounced your name, apparently. No, you didn't. <laughs> you just said, you were pandering. I was pandering. To Latino audience. Here by go. going go.
2: Se Sepeda. No, Sepeda's fine. Okay. we girls. All right. Okay.
1: Well, when I was in L.A., I was talking to... God. God. <laughs> I was talking to God in my deepest, darkest moments. I was talking to an individual who was telling me about a some sort of prisons. So maybe it was a state prison in the Central Valley that was bought by a marijuana entrepreneur and he's gonna turn it into a into a growing facility for marijuana. And like the the ironies or just the, the kind of um, intersections there between what he's gonna turn it into and what it used to be. Used for and yeah. the people who were probably who were being held and were incarcerated, probably many of whom were there for for drug related offenses, uh-huh. just feels to me like I don't know. It feels like the beginnings of like an eight, like a David Simon drama. I don't know.
0: Um, so a lot of people, especially on Twitter, were like real psyched about Barratunde's live fact checking thing, and we got this email. From Yelena, and shout out to public radio people, Lee, Yes, uh, saying, NPR actually did live fact-checking. Yes, we did. Uh, Here's her note. I've been overall disappointed with the media's coverage of the Trump and Clinton campaigns. They've only now started to dig into Trump's shady business practices and dealings when this should have been the first order of business. It really does feel like the mainstream media have tried to pit Hillary Rodden Clinton and Trump against each other in a false equivalency in order to get more ratings. But about the live fact-checking, it seems like you guys weren't aware of it, but NPR did a live-run fact-check on their website that involved 50 journalists and editors working off of an auto-generated transcript of the debate in Google Docs. You can read about it at the Neiman Lab website and see the actual transcript with fact-checks. They're extremely satisfying to read. I'm hoping they'll keep it up for the other debates and perhaps get a screen like Baratunde suggested. Otherwise, we'll be second-screening it at home. All the best, Yelena.
3: We have that fact checker on our website, WNYC.org. Oh, really? It was Great. one of our most, probably our most popular What do you mean you're, with a night. fact checker? The fact checker. So there was a live fact checker. WMIC is a, an, an NPR station. Yeah. Uh, NPR member station. They offered it to us. We offered it to our audience. So it was fact checking in real time, you know. So if somebody says something crazy, there was an annotation. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, and then the but other thing, can what? I just say, like, I really take issue with like mainstream media. Like, what is that? Like, sometimes. Oh, you mean, the term mainstream sometimes media. Sometimes Fox is the mainstream media. Sometimes. That it's is the
2: ultimate mainstream MSNBC,
3: media. sometimes it's NPR. Like, it makes it seem like the boogeyman is coming to get all of us. Any
1: media this, I don't like. Any media yeah, exactly. I don't like is
3: the mainstream media. To some people, yeah. Like, what is the minor stream?
1: Right. Yeah, what's the minor street media? Please Alt, tell us. I don't know. All the alt-right
2: ones, right. all the super, like, radical. I don't know. Yeah, it's don't like really... the Daily Caller. I don't know. What is yeah, that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know.
1: know. The th- The thing about the fact-checking, well, I didn't know about that, first of all. So I'm glad that the, that the listener has informed me, and I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to check out the Neiman Lab write-up. One thing that I, I still believe this. I still believe, unfortunately, that because we're in a very entertainment obsessed society, that I don't know that live fact checking that's coming across the screen as a crawl would actually be as effective as just a sound like, eh, when someone said something that was false. I feel, I feel like that would be <sighs> hard to about. digest for an audience. And, you know, I'm sorry, but it feels to me like a lot of the American electorate is stupid considering that so many of them are supporting Donald Trump. So maybe they need to have it like, you know made as simple as possible with a buzzer <laughs> in a game show type setup i mean i hate to say that but i but i think that that would be more effective and i also don't know again that the fact checkers can respond that I mean, these debates move so quickly that I don't they know that you can respond to someone's outright lie within three, the, the three to four to five seconds. You, that you can, need to.
2: you can. If you, the way I saw it was more like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people don't listen to NPR, don't look. at I mean, you know, it's you want to get to the masses, right? You want to get to everybody, right? I did just NPR. I didn't just NPR. <laughs> I, didn't just NPR <laughs> I didn't just say. I didn't know. I didn't know. I think and something I'm, and I'm like, like fact-check me on this, but I think something like
3: six million people were, were watching six that Six million of who though?
2: Six million who? Uh, I like, you know, like, like, like like just, I'm talking about. Like, 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 people who want to know when, who's when lying. I, when I think of reaching to people, I think about reaching like, I want to talk to the academic the same way I want to talk to my brothers on the corner in the street. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Bridging that. So, for me, what I was thinking about was more like what you were talking mm-hmm. about, Anna. but not with that, because eh, eh, then look at this, the whole time it would horn. be annoying. <laughs> and then nobody would watch. Nobody would stay tuning in. I was thinking about like having a huge jumbotron in the back and maybe like th- like having a huge team of fact checkers because I think mm-hmm. our future is worth it and then actually have it like lie wrong half true like the way political fact mm-hmm. does it mm-hmm. have that kind of style in the back in the background and just saying half true true half true and then you have a chance to yeah. have to respond to it i wish they would have done that for the last debate because this one is not going to be like The one on Sunday. Yeah, it's like more of a town hall-y thing, and it's a town hall thing. Oh, there will be lives
3: in the town hall.
2: There'll be life on the town hall, but... (laughs) There
3: will be, you know, there'll still be stuff to fact check. But do you
2: think that, of course, but do you think that having a jumbotron kind of takes away of the intimacy of the whole idea of, of town hall, like, or do you think not? Um, I don't know. I mean,
3: if somebody else suggested that maybe they should get like an electric shock every time they tell a lie. <laughs> you know, um, so how about a, a jolt. Um, Call that
2: the law and order. You know, debates. You I mean, but if, if
3: you know, we were talking about civility before we started. Before we started recording it, you know, if these debates didn't have to be so like no applause, no cheering, no booing, yeah. no, you know, yeah. then somebody in the audience could stand up like who's who's the dude during the State of the Union when Obama was talking like you lie right can we get that at a town hall yeah I'd be good wait wait
1: you
2: want that I mean like parliament <laughs> where they just throw okay. shoes at each other okay. because, like, I don't, I'm not I don't saying I'm not,
3: I'm not saying that I want that but I'm just saying like a town hall in any other instance somebody could stay if this were not something that's being televised all over um <laughs> and if this were not you okay. know a situation where people were pressed to be so civil right. you might see that
1: well no, i i am certainly i'd be curious about a more fast and loose iteration of a town hall debate format sure where where people could get a little more involved but but i don't think that what joe wilson did which is the, the congressman who spoke up during the state of the union like that's not that's never a place to no. to be Inci- incivil? Uncivil? Uncivil. Well, I mean, he was
3: also a member of Congress, and I think people thought that his behavior should have been a little more above board than... than a lot more above a, board. a lot more Shame on board. him. You Seriously. Know. I'm still, actually, I'm yeah. still
1: kind of pissed about that now that I think about it. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Just kidding. No. Okay. We're overestimating the wrong
1: people. Are we going to our next...
0: We are going to our next email. This one is from Sammy. Uh, it's a little bit of a long one, but I'm going to... Uh, Try to summarize as best I can. So apologize ahead about that, Sammy. I love listening to what's going on in America because I'm a white trans American who has grown up in Australia and still lives there. Also, and this came up last episode, I'm a believer in mandatory voting because I believe voting is a citizen's democratic duty. I just wanted to tell you about preferential and mandatory voting. Mandatory voting does two things. It creates a real picture of representative democracy and it politicizes young people because by the time you're 18, you have to think about who to vote for. Mandatory voting forces everyone to be a part of the system. If you were to apply mandatory voting, a lot of your states would be purple, because statistically speaking, people of color and young people are less likely to vote, and there are two major voting groups that on average vote Democrat. It would also force your politicians to focus on more people than just the 50-60% registered to vote, given America has a much bigger population, is way more diverse than Australia, with an 80-plus percent white majority. I don't know how preferential voting would work in a presidential system, as Australia has the Westminster, which is a parliamentary system, where to win the election, you have to win the majority in the House of Representatives. We also have coalition governments where two parties hold leadership together. Sorry this is so long. Keep being amazing. Sammy.
3: So my question is, like, mandatory voting? So what happens if you don't vote? Like, what's the punishment?
2: I'm not sure. I get a fine, I'm sure it's yeah. not that. Yeah, they don't throw you in jail. I mean, they somebody will tell in me, me in Australia, fact check us, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> we assume that it's like a fine sure or maybe a like fine, yeah. a slap on the wrist or like a frown. Like, you know, like, I don't know. A frown, a frown emoji. I got like, like a frown <laughs> emoji sent to you like every day for like a month. Yeah. Your texts go off at three in the morning. Another yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think mandatory voting is a good idea just because I like the idea of young people becoming more political, not just because it's like an emergency like now. Like, we're trying to put a fire out now. Mm-hmm. But, like, aside from this, you know, like, it, it should not have taken Trump to make politics exciting for some for a lot of people, for so many people, or Bernie.
1: But do you think Trump has made politics exciting for people? I mean, I for me, it, speaking for myself, it's made politics profoundly depressing. Yeah, but. it's sad.
2: It's sad because you, have followed, you didn't just start following politics. Right. So people that are new to the game are like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's like UFC. <laughs> it's completely, you know, it's, it's, it's to me, it's like, and I'm a boxer. I love boxer. The Says the woman I'm, with the black I eye. I love boxing. <laughs> you know that, guys. But I just find MMA, I don't see it. I find it to be so, like, bar- almost really barbaric. Though mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who do like it, and I respect y'all. I mean, I feel like our um, presidential election is that way. It's like mm-hmm. almost like a, a, r- a ridiculous reality show. I don't know. Well, I mean, right people, now it is, yeah. But I would that's agree with that's why you. people are, I mean, you have to, to not know what's going on now is to seek, you know, is to risk being irrelevant.
3: Yeah. But I mean, to me, it's I wonder if mandatory voting would make people have more apathy about voting. I mean, and that's not so much a concern to me that everybody is voting. It's I mean, one of the more dangerous things is perhaps a voter who's not informed Mm -hmm. or voter who's, you know, walking into that booth and they don't know what the issue is. So, I mean, to me, mandatory voting wouldn't necessarily, you know, make sure that people are voting smartly. No, it would just I, I make know, sure that people are are voting,
1: right? But, but maybe but, I mean, like, we can't we can't like test for outcomes or engineer for outcomes that would make us happier than others. It's very possible that if there were mandatory voting in the United States, that the outcomes would be ones that people like us would not really be particularly happy about or in, or in agreement with. But yeah, it 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 might. I would assume that it would force a certain knowledge of civics upon the populace that you know maybe you learn in fifth grade sixth grade and then can promptly forget i mean i say assume because i have no proof of this and and again i I think would be really interesting would be to talk to someone who who grew up part of their life in the united states and then moved to a country with mandatory voting who had both of those experiences and it sounds like the the listener kind of did but it also sounded like he had mostly grown up in Australia, even though he was American. be great.
2: Our, if you people know? are listening, please send us not an email, but a voice note a so we can play memo. it because we want to know. We want to be knowledge. This is not a one way street, right? Right. This is not a monologue. And what would, no. I mean, yeah, it makes me think <laughs> about
3: like mandatory adult civics classes
2: fun What i i think that would go over like a lead balloon i mean i'm not saying it's but But you know what i think that may happen and i'm assuming like like all of us are in this room maybe they they just engage people at a younger age and they teach that as part of their political education probably happens a lot sooner and it's not doesn't feel like a chore you almost Mm -hmm. maybe feel patriotic doing Mm -hmm. it their approach may be different they may be more enthusiastic Yeah. yeah i don't know Iggy is a he a, us a, note, a voice note. Iggy is <laughs> there, like, boom, no. boom, back, a the No, We won't understand it. I don't want to hear but... from her. I don't like that later. <laughs> um,
1: okay. All right. Next. This will be next the one, one week that she's listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> all
0: right. So we're going to move on to Phoebe. This is a little bit of a fun one, and it has to do with pronunciation. You just dissed all the other three. Oh, the really? previous three. It has to do with pronunciation. <laughs> They're all fun, but this is also fun.
5: Hey, guys. Phoebe in New Hampshire. Just another middle-aged white lady who loves your show. Quick question that has nothing to do with politics. After last week's show, hearing Anna pronouncing Raquel's last name, I really wonder, should we white folks, or anybody who's trying to pronounce a name that is from a different language, attempt to pronounce the name as it would be spoken by native speakers of that language? Or should we just face the fact that we're white or whatever, and... We're not going to get it right. I'm just wondering what's the best policy. I feel like if I say Raquel Zapeda, which sounds idiotic, but that's my best Spanish accent, I'm being kind of offensive. But is it more offensive to just say Raquel Zapeda? I want to do the right thing and I don't want to offend people. Can you help us with that? Thanks. Oh my God. Thank you for that, Phoebe.
2: I love that I love That, Can you voice? Help us that was out. fun. Okay. My whole thing is I'm, f- I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New York City by way of Dominican Republic. I'm from the best city, the dopest city not, in, the, in the freaking world, I think, New York. And I would say Raquel Cepeda. I don't get offended if people say Raquel Cepeda. Raquel Cepeda. I get offended with Rachel because that's not my fucking name. And people do sometimes <laughs> call me that. And if they do, that means I'm just not listening, paying attention. i let you get away with it. But if I want to engage, which I usually do want to engage, I just prefer Raquel. Raquel, why not? I think that if you're going to be dealing with somebody who's going to be hung up on, I don't like the way you pronounce my name that was racist, then they're not ready to come to the table and talk about race. And I always am and I'm, you know, the fact that you even reaching out to me would is more important than if you say Raquel Sepeda. And I and Anna and I we worked out we we went to see a counselor. There's one panoply. and <laughs> we, we worked out our to see ra- a counselor. we worked out we worked out our we worked out our racism.
3: You <laughs> <laughs> didn't need to see a counselor.
2: I'm joking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. And now
3: the world is a better place.
1: I don't have it. I don't have a good answer for the listener because I well, it wasn't directed at me. I don't think it was.
3: You're
2: being
1: chastised. But,
3: what, I'm no, kidding. I, I I'm think, kidding. I, yeah,
1: I can't. I can't read you today. You're being hard to read. I'm kidding. Um, what do you
2: think?
3: <laughs> I mean, what do I think? My name is Lee Hill. How many people <laughs> <laughs> mispronounce? That? I
2: would have pronounced it because you know I'm Latina, so we would all pronounce it the same way. But yeah. Le Hill. But you know,
3: I was doing when I lived in Colorado. I was doing this. Um, I was doing this project reporting on race and social progress, and I cut a promo that was running on Colorado Public Radio, and I said Latina, and because you know it was related to what I was reporting on, and my white boss called me in her office and sort of checked me. It's like just say Latina.
2: Yeah, hmm. exactly. And so. She checked you the right way, yeah. In my household, when we say Latina, we were making a joke because, for example, people who come late to their identity and, like, try to kind of uh, benefit from it. Like, for example, like um, Jessica Alba or, like, uh, Christina Aguilera, you know, when they decided to to become Latina, they started Mm -hmm. saying, you know, my name is, you know, da-da-da-da, and I'm like, Latina, I'm Latina. And to me, that was so condescending and, Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's so late to the— you're so late. Like, dinner's over, you're late to the table. Mm Mm-hmm. No. So so here's a, inter-
1: or here's a question, maybe not an interesting one. Um, <laughs> what, if, what if you have a, a white, non-Latino or Latina American, non-Hispanic or American, who speaks a little bit of Spanish, has studied a little bit of Spanish, and can be somewhat conversant in it, but when speaking English and, and, and uttering a word that originates in Spanish or uttering someone's name that's Spanish, pronounces it with that inflection— like how? Well, I'm I'm thinking of Mayor Bloomberg, for example. Well, he would oftentimes get up during press conferences, and he would say a little bit of yes, some Spanish. Some things in Spanish, and yeah, and like, and everyone kind of liked it, right? Yeah, there was something he that, tried well, because he tried exactly. He tried because he was obviously trying to you know educate himself and, and connect with a broader swath of the New York City public than just the English speaking ones. But would you have found it irritating if he had, let's say, he was giving you an award if he had pronounced your name? In, in, a that way, case I, yeah,
2: <laughs> in the way, you're in no, in the the way I'm not to going it. to. <laughs> it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't if I was getting a, uh, an award from like El Diario or something. It wouldn't, you know, because mm-hmm. I understand the context and the code switching and all that and mm-hmm. them trying. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt when they try. And I can kind of read, you know, like sincerity is a very nuanced thing. Yeah, I'll tell you, like another example would be when somebody who, let's say, has a Latin American studies degree and she like learned how to speak Spanish in Argentina. Right. I don't speak Spanish. I speak Dominican, a dialect of Mm -hmm. Spanish, right? So if and they come and they tell me about my culture, tell me that I'm pronouncing things the wrong way because they couldn't find it in their Spanish dictionary. Because there's a lot of Dominican words, for example, that are not in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. And we have a very different way of we have a West African tonal language. The way we speak, that's why sometimes... Well, anyway, that's another That's another episode. But there's a lot of different things. We're like a gumbo. That's the way mm-hmm. that, you know, our, we're like Creole, right? Mm-hmm. But in Spanish. So when you tell me, like, I've been told, like, oh, you're saying that wrong or, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, the person will have, like, a nose ring and a Latino boyfriend named Jose. And they're trying to be more Latina than you. And they I go, can't. like, does my butt look gorda? That shit fucking irritates me to death be a white girl, be whatever you are and try and talk to me, but don't condescend to me and don't tell me that you're saying it the right way because you know, you're teaching me about my culture. There are people that I meet that come across that mm-hmm. do shit like that. Mm-hmm. That irritates people. When you're just being sincere and you're trying, yeah. why the hell not? Yeah. That was
1: fun. And thank I, you, Phoebe. Okay. Thanks to everyone for your comments. Please keep your emails and voice memos coming. The address of horses show about race at gmail.com. And keep an eye or an ear out because this week's main episode is dropping soon.